Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, this is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I open my eyes and the buzzing starts. My mind, my calendar, my memory all start talking at the same time with a buzz, with a buzz. My newsfeed, email, and the sound of the TV all competing for a part of me. The radio and the podcaster try to cut through the advertisers and trailers and each preview with a buzz, with a buzz. And tr just like the candidates, they pull at my wallet, they wrestle for a spot on my calendar, or they fight for my vote, honey dripping from their fingers. I can't escape the buzzing, the buzz, the buzz. You know what I mean when I talk about the buzzing? Every day in our lives, we have an inundation of voices that vie for our attention. And some of those voices are external. We hear them on the radio, on television, on social media newspapers and magazines, advertising, friends and colleagues, politicians, artists and influencers. They all have this voice and they are all fighting for our attention. And then there are other voices that are more internal and yet they seem to buzz just as loud. That voice that says, prove that you are a good person. Or the other voice that says, you, you should be ashamed of yourself. Or the voice that says, you know, nobody really cares about you. You're really not important. Or the one that says, you need to be sure to become successful, become popular, and to become powerful. Every day we hear these voices, and every day we make decisions about which voices we're going to pay attention to. 
And yeah, I, I have to say that when we consider the people of the Bible, that, uh, that knowing which voice to listen to has become much more difficult and much more anxiety producing, <laughs> thanks to technology, thanks to human nature, thanks to that demand to multitask. But don't be mistaken, because the disciples had to make choices about who they would listen to as well. They, there were five major voices in their society at the time that this morning's scripture reading took place that they, had, they could listen to. Well, there were probably more, but I'm simplifying it down to five. And the first one is the temple leadership. The temple leadership who collaborated with the Roman government to make sure that the temple remained operational, to make sure that the sacrificial system of Judaism would still work every day, that they would work through the festivals, that they would maintain the covenant, even if it meant that they had to collaborate with a foreign government, even if it meant that they had to collaborate with Gentiles. Then there was another group called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees weren't priests. They, they were kind of a political party made up of lay people, made up of people who worked in the temple. Um, and they were, they, they were people who studied the law intently, but they were traditionalists. And they only listened to the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, the books of the law. And then we had the Pharisees, who again were, were not priests. They were more of a, a religious slash political party, mostly made up of lay people. They were much more progressive in their views as compared to the Sadducees. They, they did their best to pour over both the first five books, the Law of Moses, but they also included the prophets and the Psalms. And they would pour over these and come up with rules and systems by which they could honor both the law and the prophets and live and become a priestly nation so that they might earn God's intervention. And then there was a group called the Essenes, and these were kind of religious fanatics who had withdrawn from society out into the desert because they thought that God was going to come and destroy Israel and then start over again with the remnants of those that were deemed to be holy, of those who were unstained by the world around them. And then the fifth party were the Zealots. And the Zealots were revolutionaries who felt that God was calling them to rise up in armed conflict, to throw off their oppressors, and to once again establish Israel's sovereignty and independence. And it's important to notice that Jesus didn't necessarily fit in any of these five groups. At the beginning of his ministry, he was understood to be a Pharisee, and yet as you go through his ministry, you find that he has increasing conflict with the Pharisees. So his disciples have chosen to follow him, someone who didn't really fit into any of the primary groups around them, and someone who spoke in a way that nobody around them was really speaking. They were the other guys, which leads us into this morning's scripture. 
Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, the big three, and he takes them up Mount Tabor. Takes them up there to pray for, pray with him. And Mount Tabor is the high point in the middle of a large plain. They, it, it literally means the belly button, the big piece of granite that has been eroded around. So up out of the plains, it rises up to the top. And Jesus goes up there as he often did to go and pray. And this time he took three of his chief disciples with him. And as is usual in these stories, when Jesus takes his buddies up to pray with them, they always fall asleep. And so they have fallen asleep. And when they awake, they, they awake to an otherworldly experience. Jesus is shining. He's like lit up. He's shining and he's wearing these gleaming white garments. And he's surrounded by these two guys, by Moses and Elijah. And they're having a conversation. And Jesus is speaking to them. And Peter, who's woken up and he's in that kind of half-awakened state in the midst of this otherworldly scene, he's trying to make sense of it all. And all he knows is this is special, this is, this is important. And so he says, why don't, why don't we make three booths, three dwelling places, one for Jesus and one for Moses and one for Elijah? But while he's speaking, all of a sudden, this bright cloud of light descends upon them. And from the midst of the light, you hear a voice cry out, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And the voice must have been loud and thundering because it startles them and they fall to the ground and they're afraid. But then Jesus comes over and taps them and says, get up, don't be afraid. As they get up and they look around, they realize that the cloud is gone, that Elijah and Moses have gone. And they begin to head down the mountain, probably trying to make sense of what they've just experienced. And then Jesus turns and tells them, oh, don't tell anybody what you just saw. Don't tell them. Well, I've been raised from the dead. And we read this scripture the Sunday before Lent. We call it Transfiguration Sunday. It's, it's one of the days on our church calendar. And it commemorates that point where Jesus is transfigured into a glorious state before the disciples, and God tells them to listen to Jesus. It's a reminder that just as the disciples were told to listen to Jesus as they made their way to Jerusalem, as they made their way to the passion and to the resurrection, we are to listen to Jesus as we begin our Lenten journey, our 40 days of preparation for Easter. Well, I mean, it's 46 days, but technically we don't count Sundays, which I, so I'm, I'm always, well, is it 40? Is it 46? But... We say 40. But as I reflect upon this particular gospel story, I don't know if the disciples understood the gift that they were given. You see, in that moment, they were given a sign, an audible voice, which told them all that they needed to listen to Jesus. Out of all the voices that were around them, Jesus' voice was the one to listen to. Jesus was the one who spoke with authority regarding Moses and Elijah. 
And most importantly, he was the one who spoke with authority regarding the law, the books of Moses, and the prophets, of whom Elijah was primary. Jesus would become one voice to rule the other, one voice to pay attention to, one voice to listen to. But what does it mean to listen? We hear all kinds of stuff every day. We, we hear that plane flying overhead, but unless we draw our attention to it, we're not really listening to it. It's just background noise and we tune it out. See, listening means that we pay attention to what we are hearing. It means that we process the information and then we configure a proper response. There's an old story that is told of Franklin Delano Roosevelt when he was president. And, and he complained that nobody really paid attention to, uh, to what was said when they would pass through the long receiving lines to come through and shake the hands of the president. And so one day during a reception, he decided that he was going to try an experiment. And as each person passed down the line and went to shake his hand, he murmured to them, murdered my grandmother this morning. And the guests would respond with things like, marvelous, keep up the good work. We're so proud of you. God bless you, sir. And it wasn't until they got to the end of the line while greeting the ambassador from Bolivia, of all places, that his words were actually heard. And the ambassador kind of leaned over and whispered to the president, I'm sure she had it coming. You see, good listening is, is like tuning into a radio station before the days of having uh, digital tuning. You know, sometimes you could get that dial in between two stations and you could hear two stations at the same time. But if you really wanted to listen, you really needed to tune into a single station. And listening requires us to tune in so that we can focus our attention on one source. And when I say attention, I mean literally, what voices do you single out to spend time with? Now in cognitive science, uh, attention refers to all the mechanisms by which the brain selects information, amplifies it, channels it, and deepens its processing. Your brain focuses its energy by cycling through key stages of attention, vigilance and alertness, selection and distraction, orientation and filtering. Hopefully you've done all those things and are listening to me right now. You see, attention is essential to good listening, but it may cause a problem. Because if we misdirect our attention and put it on the wrong thing, our learning gets stuck. It gets stuck because we listen to the wrong voices and we get trained in the wrong way or we get led down the wrong pathway or we get encouraged to do things that don't matter. Or it takes our attention away from those we love and for those things that matter. 
So it's simple this morning. I'm going to keep it simple. Pay attention to Jesus. There's one thing you get out of today's scripture reading. It's pay attention to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. In the incessant buzzing of voices around you, which voices are you listening to? Which voices are you paying attention to? You see, it's time to stop the buzzing. It's time to tune out the voices that we don't want to listen to. It's time to tune out the voices that we shouldn't be listening to. And it's time to tune into the voice that we should be listening to. It's time to tune into Jesus. And it's not easy. It takes conscious effort. It involves putting things down. It involves turning things off. Fortunately, we do have a season that we're getting ready for that encourages Christians to take on a discipline that will help them grow closer to God. On Ash Wednesday, which is going to happen here at from 12 to 2, we'll be giving ashes in Boyer Chapel on a, just a, a kind of a walkthrough basis. And then at 7 o'clock, we have Ash Wednesday worship service where, yes, we will be dispensing signs of the ash. But we'll also have a service where you'll be invited to a Lenten discipline. You'll be invited to take on a discipline that should help you draw closer to God. What will yours be? Fasting? Scripture reading? Prayer and meditation? Helpful works? Maybe a mix of a little bit of everything? Whichever you choose, it is important that you seek silence every day. Or it is in silence that you discover beneath all the buzzing of the voices that are around us. That there is a still small voice that says, you are my beloved and my favor rests on you. Because I think when it comes down to it, that's the voice we most need to hear. To hear. But to hear that voice requires focus special effort. It requires solitude and silence and a strong determination to listen. So let us listen to Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, we'll see something extraordinary happen in our lives. We'll see our ordinary faith and our ordinary lives become extraordinary. And we will understand who Jesus is for our sake and for the sake of the world. Amen.